Blog Talk Radio. We are the UR Tennis Network. Our mission is to be the voice of tennis. We enlist a team of passionate enthusiasts to promote our sport. We strive to bring interesting perspectives on the many spins of tennis. Our goal is to provide the learners of our sport with current news and information from many angles. We seek active participation from communities interested in tennis, but tennis is not interested in them. We are expanding our outreach. Tennis is a true lifetime sport that needs to be talked about, and the UR Tennis Network pledges to pursue this idea relentlessly. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the U- to the Yellow Ball UR10 Network, where you'll find all your tennis news. This is your host, Coach Denise, bringing you the FHS TCA perspective on tennis. We are the new kid on the block, only our second year broadcasting, and we'd like to thank our CEO, J.P. Weber, for keeping the uh, organization uh, going. Uh, those of you that listen to the network, uh, I'm sure listen to Lisa Stone and her Tuesday's Parent and Aces uh, broadcast. She's been doing that for over five years. And, of course, in his fifth year is uh, the legendary coach Chuck Reese, American uh, tennis broadcast every Wednesday at noon. Uh, those of you that aren't listening to that, especially if you're a... Uh, New coach, uh, shame on you. Uh, Coaching Tennis is uh, one of the books that I used, and I had all my coaches use it. I gave the book out to uh, my coaches to make sure they understood what Coaching Tennis uh, was about. On our show each week, you could be hearing from high school, college, or professional coaches or tennis pros. Our guests will include educators, organization leaders from the FACA, PTR, USPTA, USTA, and others, uh, including our partners uh, who realize that uh, tomorrow's tennis pros and uh, USTA volunteers and college coaches and college players, they're out there now. They're in high school right now. Uh, our broadcast can't help but to overlap some of the other great uh, tennis broadcasts on the network. But um, we are blessed to have partners like Wilson Tennis, a leader for over 100 years. Uh, I must admit, uh, I've uh, seen two-thirds of that there plus, and I wish I would be around to see the next 100 years. What they've done is appreciative and especially uh, with the FHSTCA. They've been a main supporter. Team Connection Tennis, uh, with our all-star tournament that we try to send our high school seniors off to college each year. Uh, You know they look great each year. Our coaches look great because uh, Team Connection Tennis the FHS TCA clothier dressing them, and we thank them. We thank um, Wilson for making sure that goes on. And Florida Tennis Magazine, uh, not only do they keep uh, tennis fans uh, enlightened what goes on in the state of Florida, but truthfully all over the country, and uh, they allowed me to write a couple articles each uh, issue in the magazine. So we thank them. We thank American uh, Integrity and Flagler Insurance. Uh, they were going to bring our first uh, awards luncheon in October. Unfortunately, uh, Hurricane Matthew decided to uh, do that, away uh, with that. But uh, we will be uh, having our workshop. Uh, in uh, Daytona Beach on the uh, 5th, 6th, and 7th of January. And uh, as you know, the Saturday we open it up to high school players and um, parents uh, to attend the um, encore presentations. 
and uh, those coaches receiving the FHS TCA Wilson Coach of the Year Award winners in the 1A, 2A, 3A, and 4A uh, will present a drill that they do uh, with their uh, players uh, to, in order to get the award. Now, seriously, we'd give them the award anyway, but we figured it would be a, a good way maybe to bring some of their high school uh, club players along with them. Uh, it's going to be an outstanding workshop. I would, uh, I think we have an outstanding broadcast uh, with you. Those of you that have high school players and looking for scholarships, uh, this is a resource that I've looked at. And um, before we get to our guest, uh, Marcus Dayton, I would like to give you uh, the John Denise uh, perspective. Uh, as you know, each week I give you my personal perspective, which sometimes is in conflict with some of the FHSTCA, so I don't uh, state it as the FHSTCA perspective. So here goes. At my age, you develop a deep respect for tradition, family, competition, discipline, love, and order, but I am always searching for fresh ideas and knowledge to assure that the impact I make as a coach is relevant. This is why I attend so many workshops and enjoy conversations with coaches and players. Why uh, I know I'm going to enjoy today's conversation. If you are like me, you are constantly telling your players to invest in yourself. Coaches also need to take every opportunity as often as possible to invest in themselves. This is why even before I started coordinating the tennis portion of the annual Florida High School Tennis Coaches Association Winter Clinics, I always attended the three-day training session. So it was easy for me in the last 10 or more years uh, being blessed with so many outstanding uh, coaches that come in every year, but it was, it's always a rewarding experience. Uh, during our weekly broadcast, you have often heard me discuss the value of tennis being an after-school sport rather than an after-school activity. And in the newly released Florida Tennis Magazine, you'll see the first of my two-part article, which asks, is tennis an after-school activity or sport? Uh, I have received um, some information and feedback from that. Uh, naturally, opinions differ. Uh, well, I'd love to see everybody agree with me. And truthfully, everyone does not agree with me. Uh, two interesting comments, though, I thought, uh, from our radio broadcast uh, was uh, one from England and another from an exchange student from Germany. And each of them thought we are lucky in the States to have sports as part of high school experience. And I agree with them. We are blessed to have that. But, again, I go back to my question, is, is it a sport or is it an activity? And after-school activities are very important in our uh, educational system, but I think uh, sports teach us to compete, and uh, and I think that there is uh, even more important. So, is your high school tennis coach planning to be at the Daytona Beach? Uh, if not, I'm going to ask you why not. Shouldn't your high school tennis players deserve the best opportunity for success? I'm probably hearing some of you now, that noise in the background is some of you uh, uh, asking, uh, I always ask the question is, is winning and losing, is that the measurement of success? No, winning and losing is not the only me measurement. Sometimes, though, it, does de it is determined by the freshman class. Other times it could be by the demographics of the school location. But there are many other reasons. Much of the many of those reasons as discussed in the Florida Tennis um, article, and I will continue to present uh, 
debate and questions on our weekly uh, blog talk radio. But I do think that measuring the attendance in Daytona on January 5th, 6th, and 7th is a measurement of my question. We are blessed to have an outstanding group of coaches again this year from throughout the country. Our headliner will be uh, the famous coach uh, Chuck Reese uh, from the Citadel and formerly from Clemson Hall of Fame. Uh, and uh, we have uh, coming all the way from Kansas, uh, again, uh, Scott Engie. And, of course, we're blessed to have some of the best in uh, Florida, too. The only change so far that we have is um, on Thursday, Bobby Klinecki from Texas will not be able to be here, and he will be replaced by our own Mike Ball, who will be doing a presentation of racket and string technology. So I would like to also remind you that part of the three-day training will also include the FHS-TCA annual board meeting, and if you are an FACA member, you are an FHSTCA member, so you should attend the annual meeting. And if I may, I'd like to just remind you of one more thing, a statement by Martin Luther King Jr., which he says, Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. Please, say what's on your mind. You're always going to hear what's on my mind, but I really go out of my way to try to make sure that I give everybody the opportunity to say what's on their mind. And at the board meeting, it is essential that we get the information from everybody. So now to today's show. I think we have a good show. I see our guests uh Marcus Dayton on the line. Let me uh, see if I can get him. Uh, Marcus, are you there? I'm here. Very good, Marcus. Marcus is a summary, I think he's semi-retired coach. I don't know if coach is ever really uh, retired. Uh, Organizer, moderator, and administrator of uh, college tennis scholarships at Totally Tough Tennis. And I think like Many of the outstanding coaches, they're always looking to share things, and uh, you will find uh, Marcus continuously updating us on what's going on in the college scene, and that's why I thought it was important to have him on our show. Uh, He's the coach, he's the father of two talented uh, junior tennis players, one of them who will be playing college and tennis in 2018, and uh, he has led him in his journey uh, getting ready for college tennis. He grew up in Florida, uh, I might say uh, during the golden age, uh, as they began with the voluntary uh, tennis years, who uh, I think gets the deserving recognition what he's done for our industry, and um, Marcus, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience and tell them a little bit about yourself? Well, my name is Marcus Dayton. Um, I am retired. Uh, I've coached over the years. One of the, one of the benefits of being retired and retiring from companies that I owned was being able to spend time and work with kids. So uh, I did a whole program for junior team tennis for a number of years, and then as that, you know, grew and got bigger and bigger and bigger and started out with one little team as <laughs> it grew into, you know, over 150 kids playing each session, um, I decided, well, actually, I had a meeting one day with my daughter, and my daughter just said that she wanted me to work with her. So um, I did kind of retire from coaching. I do still coach high school tennis, and I hit with our local college team. But for the most part, I don't coach, coach every single day anymore. Um, so I dedicated myself more to the idea of what could I do as an individual that I felt could raise awareness in tennis. Now, we've, we've done an endowment and all that, but I wanted to see what we could do with creating a better version of where American tennis might go 
and where tennis in general would go. And my heart over the last seven years has been watching kids go into college programs. I've probably placed, I don't know, four or 500 kids into college programs over the years now. And for me personally, I felt that I could do the most impact in tennis by starting a program and seeing each kid that I possibly could, whether it be an American player or an international player, um, which I've taken a lot of flack for over the years, but, you know, kids are kids, wherever they are, and making sure that they got into a college program. And in that sense, it helped all the college coaches as well. Well, I think I don't think there's any question about that. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Let me, I have a few questions. I'd like to get into some college stuff. There's some discussions going on, and you probably you might be able to get some insight. But coaching high school tennis, you know, we have something in common, and I've always thought that was a blessing. But you interest me with the team tennis involvement. Have During that period of time, did you also take teams to the uh, uh, AAU uh, Junior Olympics, or was that that part of the, any of your programming? I just did stuff with junior team tennis and world team tennis. Um, Billie Jean King, what she did with world team tennis and creating junior world team tennis was an amazing feat. For me personally, what I found putting kids through junior team tennis programs when dealing with coaches um, – even all the way to D1, when they found a kid that was a team player, and I'm sitting here doing air quotes you can't see, but team, team, a kid that knew how to play team tennis, that can play on a team, adapt to a team, play the team format, understand that you have to play both singles and doubles, you, they can oftentimes be ahead of the grade of a kid who is, say, running around doing regional tournaments who has that me, my, and mine attitude where, you know, you, you see them at every tournament, the kid that doesn't ever play doubles, you know, unless, like, he gets the very best or she gets the very best doubles partner, you know, then they want to play. Uh, trust me, and my daughter's numerous times had kids come up and go, oh, I want to play with you because I know we'll win, you know. Well, the reason why you win is because Alana shows you how to play doubles. And we've, we've left that kind of behind, but coaches want that. Well, I agree, and I think uh, it's very important. Uh, this is one of the values of high school tennis, and I think you will agree with me when I think say that the importance of high school tennis is building character. And while most of the coaches there – uh, we're blessed to have coaches that are doing it for love of the game and not for, uh, surely not for the dollars that they're getting uh, for coaching. But I do think responsibility has to be spread out. And uh, to build a team, uh, in my opinion, I don't care if you're Billie Jean King or Jimmy Connors, and a four-month period of time you're not going to build a team. And most people... I know myself that probably 15 of the 20 uh, years that I coach or 16, uh, something like that, I would start with team that we coach in Florida. We play, uh, start practice in January. Well, and if everybody knew the first Wednesday in October, the first Wednesday in November, the first Wednesday in, uh, uh, I'm sorry, September, October, November, we would uh, have parent-player meetings, and we had to get to know each other. We had to get to love each other, and we had to sit there and know what was expected from the coaches and know the demands that we had. And I do believe in uh, that competition is not a bad word. I think that discipline is not a bad word, so I probably had more rules than many coaches. Uh, but... We, you, if you agreed not to uh, sign that contract to play high school tennis, it didn't make you a lesser person, but it did make for the people on the team that we were all driving for the same thing. And uh, it's, uh, it is a special place, high school, and I think playing team sports 
uh, gets you just one step ahead in college. It, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, you can you can do this. You can take any. We, we did it this summer. We took a group of kids. A couple of them had played together here or there. My own daughter hadn't played with any of them. I mean, she had played against a couple of them. Um, but we took a group of kids that bonded together, all maybe one of them, and they put forth that team effort. But they were all team players. They had all worked through junior team tennis. They had all played high school tennis. And if they've done that already and you put them together and you put them onto a team, there's less trouble. One of the most common things I hear from coaches every year when it comes to, say, say like right now, you got 68 girls that have already left college tennis across the United States this fall before spring even began, just from those fall matches, who have already either want to swap to a different team, have quit altogether, have realized that the schedule of being on a team and trying to keep up your grades and everything is very hard. Some of them, you know, might got a homesick or what have you, but sometimes it's the drama, you know, like when you get a player who's been an individual player doing nothing but tournaments, you know, for year in and year out, and they're, they just don't understand the team aspect. And that can cause problems for a coach. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of coaches that will tell you that. I mean, I've heard it year in and year out of, of what goes on. And if you create a team player, and it doesn't, you know, it can be a tournament player, you just also have to blend the other parts of it. Um, when, when, let me say this. USTA, I mean, I have my opinions, of course, on player development and what we should have done and what should have been done, you know. But one of the things that I can say is when it comes to USTA, the things that I personally feel that could change are this. Uh, number one, we, when NJCL, when, when we were all about team tennis, you know, 15 years ago, kids were playing team tennis. What happened was USTA needed funds, and they did a smart idea. Um, they created membership drives and programs to get more members and more kids signed up, and every kid had to be a member now. They couldn't just be at a country club and sign up for a tournament. You literally had to have a USTA membership number, so you had to buy that. But then they also made $3 off of every single kid that signed up for every single tournament, you know. Right. That was all great. But now what's happened is we've realized, or player development has realized, instead of trying to train every kid to become a professional tennis player, which that's a rarity, you know, it's a, it's, you know, a tenth of a percent that actually ever make it anywhere with becoming a professional tennis player, the – they decided to focus now on college. Let's put all these kids that are at player development into college programs. You know, send them off to college, let them learn to be adults, let them learn to mature, be it, you know, their game, be it as their attitudes, be it as their education, they're being smarter on court, or even the education that a kid needs just to handle their own money and deal with an agent and deal with the things that have to be dealt with on a daily basis if you are going to be a professional tennis player. But when you decided that, when they decided that now they're going to put everybody into college, we forgot something. <laughs> We've been training all these kids to be individual tournament players for year in and year out for 12, 15 years. And now they need to put time and effort and money into JTT. And not only that, but they need to make JTT more points. I mean, it's kind of unjustified to go play at a national-level championship in an advanced level and come away with, you know, 100 points, you know, less than you could earn if you went and played in a level four junk tournament somewhere. So they should get more points for all that. Um, also, it should be added on to UTR as well. And then also another, another thing that USDA should do 
is, and I'm sure the minute I say this, everybody's going to go, oh, yeah. <laughs> the website needs to be changed because even the <laughs> simplest thing, even the simplest thing, Craigslist, has where you can send a message, even on Facebook, you can message another person about a product that they're selling, like, oh, I've got a car for sale or I've got a tennis racket for sale, and you can message that person. We don't even have the ability for a kid to click on another kid's name and send them a message and say, hey, I want to see if you want to play doubles with me. No, we wait, and the most common thing you see is kids trying to find partners, trying to get the, the tennis director that's holding the tournament to find them a partner that they don't know. They don't even get the chance to meet the kid beforehand. They don't get the chance to talk to the kid at all, you know. I mean, we have so many things now, Twitter, Facebook, all the, you know, the other stuff that my daughter does, uh, FaceTiming and everything else. They can talk to each other and get to know each other and then maybe even meet up before the tournament starts to hit with each other. We don't even have Well, those are excellent points, Marcus, and those are points that people like you and many of the people that I converse with and, uh, and many of the people in the uh, Yellow Ball Network have uh, talked about, the problem is is that the USTA, like, and in fairness to other organizations, and I spent eight years on the board of directors with the USTA uh, Florida section. I always uh, told Doug Booth that uh, he needed me just to know it, that every uh, organization needed uh people like me that was considered a pain in the butt, but uh, you have to hear views. And I don't think we listen to the people enough. We don't get the coaches like you, the people that are doing it. Their voices aren't being heard. It's the consultants coming in. And uh, unfortunately, in many cases, uh, they're, they're, they're just not involved with the growing of the game, and they're making decisions on this here. And I think back, uh, I asked you when we first started, if you remember, if uh, you were involved with the AAU Junior Olympics. And we were very active in tennis. One time, I, I think I had 140-some kids uh, going up to uh, take into the uh, tournament and our, um, as a district director. And I had teams, but I had teams that I took to the AU Junior Olympics. And it was a great experience for them because they're meeting kids from all over the world. Tennis is just a small part of the games. They're, they're out in the first time in uh, hotels, many of them. And we went from a situation we're, we're not, we sat there, I remember taking, I, I guess it was two years in a row, took teams to uh, the state tournament, uh, left, had to leave to go to the AAU games and forfeited because uh, the team championship event, uh, because we had to travel, I think one year to Virginia and another year to Ohio, if I remember correctly. But in any event, they make a rule that you can't be involved with uh, team tennis if you're doing that. So what happens? Many of the good players in team tennis stop playing team tennis. Now they want to, then they want to bring team tennis back again, and a lot of people are saying, well, that ain't for real tennis players. And in my opinion, it is. team tennis the greatest thing uh, going and we even give a special certification in our organization because coaching and coaching a team concept in high school is not just strokes and uh, understanding uh, you know it's not about winning and losing only well when it when it comes to junior team tennis Setting aside the idea that there needs to be some funds spent on it, there needs to be revamping it, bringing it back in a strong way. I mean, you're, they're bringing the national championships to Lake Known next year. You know, I mean, the, the idea is to try and get it back to where it used to be. Okay, so let's mm-hmm. do that. But there's a big stigma with junior team tennis. You had the word beginner, you had the word intermediate, and the word advanced. Right. Most players run from the word advanced. 
<laughs> so even good players will run from the word advance. So they want to collect trophies and they need to win all the time. They'll run from that word advance. Intermediate players will sometimes not be intermediate players. You'll get a beginner level player. Okay. And this, I dealt with this a lot. It's one of the, one of the true things that used to bother me every single year. When some player would show up to play in the summertime to go to the state championship with us and beg to be on an intermediate team, and their parent would tell me, oh, they're an intermediate-level player. Well, then I talked to the kid, and the kid hasn't picked up a racket in seven months. And then when they start swinging the racket, sure, their strokes are a little bit better than what the word beginner would say, but they really belong on a beginner team. So let's get rid of those three words. Let's change those three words, which I've now said at every meeting from New York to <laughs> California and Florida, those words need to go away. It needs to be recreational, club, and tournament level. If you call it tournament level, all those players that play at a tournament level will not try and play back on an intermediate level. They'll play down the tournament level, which is advanced. Your club level players, which are decent players that play when they feel like it, play decent tennis, maybe play on our high school team and don't play a whole lot of tournaments, that's your tournament-level player. That's your intermediate-level player in team tennis and junior tennis. Beginners would be your recreational player, your player that plays here and there when they feel like it or they're just learning and getting started. That's what the words should be. Leave behind beginner, intermediate, and advanced and change it to recreational, club, and tournament level. And that will that, – I, I promise you, that would change the face of junior team tennis in a heartbeat. I mean – Well, <laughs> and what has been the response? I think that's a fantastic uh, idea personally. I mean, uh, how do we go about selling that concept? Because my fear is that – Well, we, we, we're had, just, we had supporters. We had Patrick McEnroe was a supporter of that. Uh, James Blake was a supporter of it. We've had supporters along the way of that same concept and that same idea. I mean, some other people have had different names for it than what I said. But what happens is when you're dealing with people who have been hired to sit around at a table and come up with ideas, and the most common thing that happens at that table, if you've ever sat at one, <laughs> which I know you have, but the most common thing that people don't understand is when you're dealing with the USTA, the words usually begin with money. How can we make more money? You know, how can we make this more money? How can we bring this to a new tournament level? How can we get more kids to play that will show up at a state championship, at a sectional championship, at a national championship level? And unfortunately, the thing is, if you don't revamp it and you don't change the names, you're not going to get the players. You'll get the beginner players to get started. Then they'll trickle into intermediate. And then if you've ever paid attention, and I have a lot, a good, for instance, is this year, Southern. Okay, we have nine states and ten spots. We, that should leave us with one, one wild card every year of a team that got second place somewhere. But it doesn't happen. When you go to sectionals, what will happen is you'll end up with two teams from Georgia, two teams from Tennessee, maybe two teams from South Carolina, and the team from Alabama didn't go any further than the states. They didn't go play at sectionals. The team from Mississippi, you know, these, these and I'm not calling them sub-states. I know people say that all the time. But they're states that the tennis is not as strong in the sections. And they don't show up. And unless you change the way that the levels work and you make it a fair system, and here's another thing. Somebody actually has to put their foot down at the USTA National and say, we're going to start punishing coaches who play advanced level players and intermediate, who play intermediate level players and, and beginner. I took a team three years ago that should have won, hands down, the beginner-level tennis tournament. They had a couple high school players, and they had, you know, some beginner players, and they had a couple of kids that played here and there, maybe pick up a racket 
for a couple months out of each year, okay? That team was strong, and it should have won first or second place. Instead, it got creamed by another team in the same state by a coach who had players on that team who had been running around winning level two tournaments, <laughs> playing beginner level tennis. So what happens is you stand there as a coach and you watch that your, 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 your best boy go out there and get creamed and not even get points. You know, not even, you know, it's love 40, love 40, love 40, and the game's over in 15 minutes. That kid's spirit is crushed. He doesn't sign up next session. He doesn't sign up the session after that. He doesn't sign up for the summer session, and he doesn't show up again. Guess what you lost? You lost the revenue the same way that you could have held it. And things have to change. I mean, if we really want college tennis to change, we need collegiate team players. When people bash international players up and down all the time, I host them here. We, we, we have exchange students that come here from Germany and Serbia and uh, Spain. And, you know, some kids have come here just to train with me just because they want to learn how to be on hard courts, you know. When right. those kids show up here, the most common thing we hear from them is I played on a team in Germany. You know, it was, you know, five or six players, but it's a club team, and we played other clubs. And the way that they do that is much different than the way that we do it here. And unfortunately, it does create a player who can play as a teammate, who pushes themselves to the best limit that they can. It doesn't blame other kids, complain about other kids, and that really all starts with the parent, in my opinion. Well, it does, but I think we ought to switch to college uh for a minute, you made some outstanding points, but you know, I listened to a program last week or the week before, and three college coaches on it, and one of them made this statement that uh, they're afraid, and they're talking about the proposed rules in Division uh, Three. and of course, I've always said there's a place for everybody just about in college, but it might not be the place you think you are, but if you want really want to play, you know, coaches can find a place. And it's easier. I know I've been accused in my 20 years uh, uh, in high school, well, he always favored the girls better than the boys. He always got them more scholarships. It isn't that you favor somebody. There's You have to deal with reality and where you can get uh, the more scholarships. But there is, you know, when I, when I hear a coach say, the student athlete is no longer the priority of um, the NCAA. Wow, what a statement that is. Can you, do you have an opinion? Would you like to share the opinion or should we go to a different subject? No, I can share my opinion on that. The NCAA, okay, here, here's, here's something I deal with that I, I actually dealt with all last year. And then people were really worried, depending on Bernie Sanders or Hillary Clinton kind of picked up Bernie Sanders way of that, you know, every college kid could, could go to college for free, and that would affect, you know, international players being able to play college tennis. Okay, so here's the thing. When coaches talk, or even worse is when parents are talking or tennis pros are talking constantly about this or that, it takes an act of Congress to literally change. The NCAA is so locked into the Title IX part, and if you just take even 15 minutes and just read the simple Wikipedia page on how Title IX works, uh, yeah, there's some little verbiage in there, but for the most part what it's saying is to make it fair for girls, because back in the day it wasn't fair for girls, they're going to give more scholarships to females than they were to males, Okay. But the problem was Obama did a little nice thing for the LGBT, I hope I said that correctly, lesbian, bi, gay, and transgendered uh, people. He added to the Title IX verbiage, if you look on there on Wikipedia, it shows how he did it, the word equality. When he added that, you got an uproar from college coaches in several different sports about now let's make it equal between boys and girls. And I agree with that. 
we're in a different time and a different era. This isn't the 1950s anymore. Girls get just as much as boys do for the most part. I'm not saying that, you know, everybody's getting the same pay or whatever. But the thing is, you can make it fair and even. Every team has this amount of scholarships for girls and that amount of scholarships for boys. It is that, you know. Are you still there? Yes, I am. I'm listening to you and because I, I don't want to interrupt you because I think what you're saying is so important. Okay. So that said, um, when we deal with that situation, it literally takes an act of Congress. Congress makes the decision on whether or not Title IX is changed or not not the NCAA, not the ITA. Every time somebody says the ITA doesn't do this and the ITA isn't doing that and the ITA, it's not the ITA. <laughs> you know, the ITA would love nothing more. The, the, the thing about the ITA is they're very smart. They want to network. They want to work with the NCAA. They want to work with other people. The coaches all want to work together. But now you have that issue, okay? So now you want to put it to a vote at the ITA to go forward with fighting the NCAA to get the NCAA now to fight Congress, okay, to lobby Congress to change the rules. Here's your problem. D3 coaches don't really care. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I'm not saying all of them, um, and I'm not saying they don't care as in general, but as far as when it comes to Title IX and scholarships and all that, it doesn't matter to them because, A, they don't give college scholarships. So right. setting that over to the side, <laughs> D3 coaches have no fight in this, other than the fact that if you're looking to move from D3 to D2 and D1 and move your way up the, the ranks. Okay, D2 colleges, if you take all the colleges across the United States that are Division II and find out how many of them are not fully funded, which is a lot of them, and how many of them are, how can I say this? Uh, how many of them are tuition driven? Okay, so if you're a D2 coach or even a D3 coach or D1, you could be at a school. Like if you go to right, right now, you go to protennisjobs.com. There's about 10 different college jobs on there. About four of them right now, you'll notice that they're by the hour jobs, 40 hours at $13 an hour. But then it says tuition share. What that means is, so you put, say, the, the limited amount of funds that you have into, say, four decent players, okay? And you divide it up and you get your four decent players. And then what happens is you go find some kids that go on academic scholarships or presidential scholarships or, you know, merit scholarships or whatever, okay? You set that aside. But then what you do is you go out and you find yourself and one of the benefits about being in tennis and golf over some other sports is we are a wealthy sport. Unfortunately, <laughs> there's a lot of wealthy people spending a small fortune on training kids that might not ever achieve anything, <laughs> but they spend the money anyways. I see, I see kids at the same national tournaments lose, you know, the first two matches out the gate, and the parents have spent, a, you know, $1,500 to travel there, you know, over and over again. I, I know parents but that's right another now, discussion. I, I, I think there's, um, you know, that is an important topic. As a matter of fact, I've been invited to uh, meet in the first week before our workshop to, you know, with a dozen other coaches to discuss that. But I, I, I do have to ask you because, uh, I mean, maybe my statement or uh, Wrong. Maybe I'm just getting at the age now where uh, uh, it's not important. But I quoted in my comments earlier Martin Luther King Jr. statement, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. My fear is, and I, of course I was talking about our FHSTCA uh, board meeting in Daytona Beach, and I want people to sit there and voice their opinions, and I want, as one of the leaders, to listen to those people. My fear is, and my question is, is there, like the NCAA, I say, 
Are we are we wasting money just in buying the coaches there? When I hear about votes being taken and then they do something else anyway, why ask the people to be there? I mean, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe uh, the USTA and the NCA and uh, the pre- you know maybe we maybe our constitution is uh, is is wrong and we just people are telling us what to do. I, I just if don't you, see change coming from up on top. I see change coming from grassroots. I think it's getting harder now. It's harder in the NCAA. And, you know, do we sit there and blame the government uh, back there? I mean, if nobody does anything and questions it, where do we go from there? I, I don't know. The powers that be at the NCAA are basketball and football coaches. Okay, some basketball coaches do take some international players from overseas, very few when it comes to basketball. There are (laughs) very few international football players. So if those coaches don't care enough to put their voice behind tennis, golf, crewing, track, uh, any other sport that has baseball, I mean, the baseball coaches speak up every year. You know, unfortunately, the baseball coaches would like to see it where, you know, it's like one kid has to be on the team who's American and the rest all are internationals. You know, there are coaches like that. I mean, I know plenty of them. So when the powers that be, my best, my best advice to everyone is speak up. Write your congressman. Write your congressman and speak up. Show up at anything that you hear about on the net, on Facebook, that is a meeting about it. I would love to see so many more parents show up to the ITA conference. You can become a member of the ITA. You don't have to be a college coach. And come and voice your opinion. doesn't happen, but it should. I mean, go to a USPA national committee meeting and voice your opinion. Speak up. Because if you don't, and you're just one of the silent masses that's grumbling and complaining, I mean, what happens is there's guys like me out here that take so much flack for everything I say. But you know what? I don't get paid. (laughs) I actually spend a small fortune sponsoring kids every year. So, therefore, I can say whatever I want, and I tell the truth. I just tell the facts like they are. So... Many of us tell the truth the way we perceive the truth to be, but the the thing is we've got to be able to to speak up. I mean, I just had recently, as last year, uh, invited to uh, sit at uh, a high school coach's presentation at the PTR, and you know I'm almost a 30 year member of the past. president of the PTR Florida section when uh, we used to have the states as part of our coaching organizations. But I told her, in all due respect, when I'm to sit there and have four of us on a panel, a lecture bunch of coaches for 55 minutes and then give them five minutes to answer questions of us, in good conscience, I can't do that. I still love the PTR. I'll go to the uh, uh, Hilton Head again this coming year, but I feel like a hypocrite to sit up there and tell, I want to listen to people. I want to hear what the people say, and this is why I hope I'm not beating a dead horse, but I'm always encouraging people, get involved and speak up. But I see some of our organizations, and I had Dan Santorum on this show, like you're on there speaking your opinion, and I want to hear everybody's opinion. But I, in good consciousness, can't sit up there. And they got somebody else from Florida to replace me. I mean, it's no big deal. But um, I think, you know, I think there's many people out there that just need to speak like you do. And if, you know, as long as you're willing to accept, everybody's not going to agree with you. And, you know, oh, your yeah. not bad to get hurt, then get up and talk. My, my opinion when it comes to PTR and USPTA, et cetera, has been the same for years. It doesn't take much to become a tennis professional. <laughs> it doesn't take much at all. 
I mean, I'm sorry, but, you know, okay, here's the thing. Nick Baltieri is a great man, St. Nick, to me, personally, okay? But, yes, was he a tennis coach? No. He was a military guy that put that methodology, and then he went out and learned from everybody that he could, and he took pieces of everybody's stuff, and he put it together, and then he added some modern stuff to it and really changed the game, okay? But the problem is now your average Joe Schmo over here thinks that he can do the same thing, <laughs> you know, at his local, you know, tennis courts. And it doesn't take much. Here's, here's the first – I'm not going to say no names or anything like that. But just, just over the years, I've watched how many tennis pros go down and take the exams and flunk and fail. And, you know, simple things like blow it on the, the grips, you know, not knowing the, the, the simplest things about tennis. You know, and the test – there's only a few versions of the test, so – and when you, when you screw up, the proctor tells you what you got wrong. So eventually, if you keep going back, and I know guys have done that, gone seven times and then passed it. If it took you seven times to pass something, you shouldn't be teaching it. <laughs> so my, my opinion is and has been for the longest time, there are a lot of great tennis pros that show up at continued education, you know, seminars, forums, you know, they, go, they constantly go to learn the next methodology. They constantly go and learn from, like, Chuck, okay? Here's the guy that can, you can, he's probably forgotten more about tennis than I even know. So when, when you go and you learn from a guy like that, you may only pick up on a handful of things. Great, you'll take it back, you'll train the kids to do that. But do you know what? The average tennis professional never goes to any of that. They get that first level of certification and they never move on. You know, it's like when... Oh, that is a sad thing. I agree. And uh, I just, uh, and I think we just have to keep pounding at that. I know I've talked to the PTR. Everybody says they're a pro. I had for years, because I came from the basketball to uh, tennis, and uh, I was proud to be a tennis instructor but because I wanted continuing education, because I wanted to be better and learn more about tennis, I wanted to go through the high-performance coaching. And, uh, you know, then truthfully, you could only be a pro to do it. And so now I had to go through recertification. And truthfully speaking, because of uh, my level of play, because of my age, I sat there, uh, thank God it was, what, 18 years ago, whatever it was, and not today because I wouldn't be able to do it today. But, you know, I worked my tail off to do that, to get in there. And my question is, why do you have to be, quote, unquote, a pro? So I think you made some good points. I appreciate it. I do have to do some business now. I would like you, uh, I can't believe we killed the whole show already, but we did. I appreciate you being on, and thank you. Can you tell the people how to contact you and uh, because I think your message is important, and I know the one thing that I love about you, Marcus, is that you're going to share, willing to share things. I don't agree with everything, but, you know, that's uh, life. And uh, But you're willing to sit there and go out there. So would you please tell the audience uh, how do they contact you and what should they be looking for? Well, the easiest way to contact me is my name is Marcus Dayton with a K, M-A-R-K-U-S. I'm the only one on Facebook, so I'm really easy to find. But you can also find me on College Tennis Recruitment Video Group or on the Totally Tough Tennis Group or, or page, and you can message me. My advice is if you want to play college tennis, that you take 15 minutes, you go back, read all the stuff that I post on College Tennis Recruitment video page, and all the college coaches are on there. Currently, we have 336 college and assistant college coaches and recruiters on that page alone. If you can't find what you need or can't get the information you need off of that page, then you'll never have it. So that's my opinion on how to... And I'm willing to help any kid as long as they're willing and the parent is willing to understand you're going to have to go to college tennis at the level a 
the skills that you have. Everybody can't promise you that you're going to go play Division I tennis. When you say you have a five or six UTR score, you know, and you haven't faced anybody and you're a 50-50 player, you're not going to play Division I tennis. It's that simple. Right. So, well, Marcus, I appreciate you sharing that, and I couldn't uh, agree with you more. They have to go. I'm on that page all the time. I've, uh, um, I, I will, uh, with your permission, put our broadcast up. Uh, I put it on all the groups that I would, and I'd like to have it on your page, uh, too, because Absolutely. I think your message is important. Uh, and, and this is why I think as high school coaches, we're like other high school coaches. Um, you know, we can do a much better job. And this is why I think our training, what we try to do is just make the learning curve less time than some of us do. And that's the important thing because you are going to sit there and go out if you attend these things. And hopefully you're not going to be like many of the tennis pros that Marcus talked about and don't show up. If you're going to be a high school coach and you are responsible for these high school players, they deserve to get the best they can. And you, your responsibility. Can I, can I say one thing, John? Yes, you can. can I, uh, one thing that I forgot to say, much like what you do there in Florida, we do it here in Alabama and it's pretty much done. I want to say in about 30 States out of the United States, Find out from your USTA coordinator and from your high school athletic associations who, where, when, and how you can get in. Because the USTA right now, they pay for all of our high school coaches to come to ours. And we invite really great – and we have it at the University of Alabama, and there's college coaches there to learn from. If you're a high school coach – The USTA in Alabama is paying the high school coaches to go? They pay for their, their hotel room and the entrance fee. Yep. The USTA <laughs> we, they, does. USTA takes care of that. Yep. Here, here in this state, in the state of Alabama, um, Kevin Theos and uh, William Fane, um, they've all said over the last several years, your hotel room, you'll, you know, you have to share a hotel room with somebody, but your half, right. your half of your hotel room is paid for as well as your interest. This is through the High School Coaches Association? I mean, who sets training up? The the High School Coaches Association? The, the, yeah, the the Alabama High School Athletic Association sets it up. It's done at the University of Alabama um, indoors. And uh, William Fane puts it all together. And the USTA and the Alabama Tennis Association cover the funds for all that for you to go there for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Well, well, you're ahead of us in Florida, I'll tell you that. I wish we we tried to get the USTA uh, to sit there and uh, help us with this here. And uh, uh, rather than they want to get balls, they want to put – do certain things, but they don't don't even contact their coaches uh, uh, as far as setting up training or anything. This has been one of my – uh, objections. This is why Texas and California and myself, when I was executive director, met and what Wilson USDA, uh, trying to get more involvement because, uh, wow, uh, boy, they thought they, that was they have pain. the funds for it. I mean, they have the absolute funds for it. It's part of your community and your USTA stuff. It's part of your community um, coaches programs. And that's what they use. They use it. They actually even invite, if you're just a community coach at like a local, like you're putting together like local leagues, or you want to be a new Marcus, junior I'm, team. Marcus, I'm going to call you because I have to uh, end now to go off get up, the get air. Get business. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, but what you just said is so important. But I just want to tell everybody, please be at the workshop. Uh, find out if your high school coach isn't going to be there and uh, why not? And uh, we, I look forward to uh, seeing you there. And uh, I want to, again, thank Wilson. They, they will, again, be uh, uh, providing door prizes like they have uh, every uh, year. The first 150 people will get a 
uh, a hardcover book by uh, David Bethwick. You heard him on there. It's not a tennis book. It's a mission novel. But uh, you know my feelings on trophies. I think it's more important that we read, so I do preach what I uh, what I need. Please, there will be no show next week because we will be at the FACA workshop, so no show next week. We will talk to you the following week. Have a blessed week. Tell your friends, and I look forward to talking with you again. Thank you, and thank you, Marcus, for being with us. You're welcome.